I told you so. I told both of you that Luke was going to come back, and this is the Wanna Be Jedi podcast. My name is Josh. And I'm Matt. And I'm Nate. And today we are talking about the season finale of season two of The Mandalorian. Matt, let's get started. I vividly recall something about us having to eat Legos if <laughs> Luke comes back. <laughs> you guys didn't believe me. And I'm like, I was hopeful. My favorite character with my favorite lightsaber came back. I, I, I will be honest. I'm not going to eat Legos. I, okay. I'm, I'm not going to eat Legos. We'll, we'll have to think of a, a different arrangement. <laughs> well, yes, we'll have to come to a different form of agreement. So, Josh, why don't I, I think you've made it clear, but why don't you tell all the listeners out there, what are your overall thoughts on this episode? Oh, I loved it. It was a good episode. I thought... There were some parts where they were, like, feeding the audience if, like, they didn't have any Star Wars background knowledge, and we'll get to that. I think Nate and Matt will talk about that. But overall, I love the season finale. They brought back one of my favorite characters, Mark Hamill, one of my best friends, you know, Matt, right? Call back to our <laughs> Yeah, R2 we're working episode. on that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, still, we're still working on that. We're still but... working on it. But overall, I loved it. I'm glad I got to see Luke back in action, especially in his prime. Like, that's what I wanted to see for the longest time, especially... To see in The Last Jedi, you know, I do like the, the Last Jedi, but to see Luke in his prime, and I talked about his appearance in Battlefront 2, the story, how it didn't like live up to his potential. He was fighting off like these flying bug creatures that, you know, that's not what Luke is. And to show Luke at this point, I really liked him with his force abilities. It kind of people are, are on TikTok is all over the, the media showing him that it's kind of like the intro when vader is killing everybody right before the tentative four heads off and we get into episode four in the end of rogue one but overall i loved it good episode i know that you both have different opinions so let's get to matt you want to go with your opinion first yeah i'm i'm kind of indifferent about it and i'll, I'll go into it a little bit later i, w- I will say as soon as i saw the x-wing i i, I realized it was it was luke and and it did give me some butterflies seeing Luke back, Mark Hamill, uh, CGI'd in. I I still don't know how I feel about all the CGI of like old actors and actresses that we've seen. This one was rough. I gotta say, if they brought like Sebastian Stan into it, like that would've been different. But it looked like a damn Snapchat filter. <laughs> it did kind of look like a Snapchat filter. Oh. You're right, actually. Oh. It did kind of look like a Snapchat. It it wasn't the best. I thought it was about on so Nate for context. Josh and I talked about this a little bit ahead of the podcast. Josh preferred Tar or thought Tarkin's CGI looked worse than Leia's CGI, and I'm vice versa. So where do you stand on that? I mean, it's hard to compare the two of them because Tarkin had more screen time and had to be more dynamic. Hmm. Tarkin's CGI, I think, is more impressive. But it may be an artifact of the lighting in the scene on Tantive 4. Yeah. Leia shows up, you know, in that scene, and there's a lot of very bright white reflective light off of mm-hmm. that scene. And that's, you know, it tends to wash out facial features, even with real people. And so it's it's hard to hit the mark. Peter Cushing's CGI happened in a darker place on the Death Star. Yeah. So it may have been easier to fit aesthetically. Yeah. But yeah, this, this Luke CGI was bad also his voice sounded off to me and i i know that mark hamill is credited but i think that they might have done some like voice modulation post to uh to make it sound younger and it sounded Mm -hmm. it just the intonation sounded off he sounded very wooden and i didn't enjoy it i actually had that in my in my notes that it did not sound like return of the or just po like what i would have imagined post return of the jedi was and what return of the jedi luke sounded like so i I think you're right i think they did try to mess with it a little bit to to give a little bit more youth to his voice for for me again i it does look a little like a snapchat filter but you could clearly see that that it was actually when he had the hood up i didn't when we initially had before he took the hood off i was like wait that doesn't look like luke Mm -hmm. You know, because it just didn't line up. And then when they revealed it, I was like, okay, it does look like Luke, but it's, it looks kind of like my, um, I have a, I have a blanket at my apartment where I live. 
of course, that's where I would keep my blanket. That kind of makes sense. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the blanket isn't copyrighted by Disney. So Luke doesn't look like Luke of, of my Star Wars blanket. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of the blanket where it didn't, it looked like it, it, it almost looked like a knockoff Luke slightly. Where it's more noticeable is I, I went back and rewatched the episode after uh, I watched it the first time last night. And I was just, I was trying to pretend that I didn't know anything going in. That's a, that's another long story. We can get into that, but I paused on sections of, of Luke's face, right? And where his face is more dynamic, it really looks bad. Like the CGI doesn't, it's not fluid. Uh, if you pause when like he's mm-hmm. tilting his head or, or his mouth is talking, yeah, it just looks bad. If you, if you do a still image, especially the one where he backs into the elevator right before the end credits scene, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. But there's, they just didn't get the motion down right. And, and that might be just with the technology. If you were bringing in the main character, you'd spend a little bit more effort on that, you know, because Luke is yeah. the main mm-hmm. character of everything. But That's fair. Yeah. I I kind of agree with you. I thought the still shots were great. It, but when he started talking, especially with the voice, it kind of threw me threw me off. I think I asked Josh multiple times, is that is that Mark Hamill, that voice tick? Because I it just didn't fully sound like him um you, you but know i, I you also know I, I might chalk this up you know what you know what's hilarious is uh, when we were after we watched it last night josh actually thought that that was sebastian stan and not i thought CGI. i thought it was <laughs> really yeah. that's so it interesting it looked like sebastian stan because I, no, it my girlfriend not. showed me an, it kind of did. I, I i i don't think it looks like sebastian it's, stan i'm okay. sorry okay. i'm sorry okay. josh here's my here's my reasoning why i thought it was because it's my girlfriend showed me an article with Sebastian Stan in like a Luke costume. And that's why I thought that's why I immediately went through it. I'm like, Oh, that's gotta be Sebastian Stan. So that's my reasoning because I saw, okay. I saw an article on it. There is an article out there now today about how Mandalorian, apparently Mandalorian fans are calling for Sebastian Stan to play Luke in season three. I mean, even Mark Hamill wanted, wanted it. He, he said, Oh, eventually if they do anything with Luke Skywalker, like, Sebastian Stan is like a younger version. I'm putting in quotes, a younger version of me. Like, and you could. I can see it. Looks similar. Uh, not exact. Not exact. But, but I like, mean, it's pretty uh, close. Like a son kind of deal. But yeah. Anyhow, let's get into the good of the episode. I know we kind of highlighted a little bit of the bad, but let's let's touch on the good. Josh, my my first good point is the music. I I loved all of the music and all the scenes. The Boba Fett theme hit hard. Mm. I, I I was really proud of the the music choice selection. It got me. It gave me those. I I think it was more the music than realizing it was. Well, like you knew it was Luke, but I don't think if we if we didn't have that music, I don't think I would have gotten the the goosebumps and those slight butterflies. I got there was no there was no trace of Luke's theme or motif in that music. No no no. It wasn't about it wasn't about the Luke's theme. It was just about the music while he's you know slicing through but the music while he was slicing through troopers. was generic and kind of uninspired there were no callbacks to familiar themes there were no innovative creations in that it was just sort of like like you could put that like music over any generic suspenseful situation and it would be fine i don't even know if that was suspenseful i i don't i didn't feel like suspense there well, i almost felt I like the wrong word but relieved like, yeah no no you're good you're good i I just felt more relieved that the music almost gave me a sense of relief. Like a lot of our questions are going to be answered, which it was more like, I know which Jedi answered the call. Mm -hmm. And and it just made me feel like the the music added to that element for me. It It, it wasn't. It subtracted for me. So I guess that's a point of of difference. But that's fair. I like the, I mean, you know, my favorite lightsaber is the green one. So once I saw the green, it was like Luke. (laughs) And, that's fair. I couldn't breathe. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I am aware. I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I, I almost feel like if they didn't do an X-Wing, they could have built up the fact that it was Luke a little bit. Like, they you, they could have left us, the audience, well, X-Wing, in a little bit more of a. X-Wing could have been Ezra or Ahsoka or, well, it could have been Ezra or Ahsoka too, but. I didn't really think that though, just because I've never seen Ezra and X-wing or Ahsoka, so so right. for me, I like I, I kind of felt... I did not have a lead into the surprise, so I really don't know like what I would have assumed. Yeah, as as soon as the 
X-Wing hit. I actually kind of forgot that there might be a Jedi coming leading up to it, so I guess that that's a good point, maybe? I, I, don't, I don't really know how... Like I said, I'm kind of indifferent about it all. Like, like I said, I kind of felt indifferent about it, but I, di- I will say that the, the storyline and everything else kind of distracted me from the fact that there might be a Jedi that was coming. So I guess that might be a positive because it roped me in, but I also watched it at like 6.45 in the morning. So I don't know if it was because I wasn't fully awake. Yeah. I, I have one good thing to say about this episode, and that is that Baby Yoda got to see Manda's face. Mm-hmm. I, I called that a couple podcast episodes ago, but like indifferent is how I describe most of how I feel about this episode and absolute guttural hatred is how I feel about some of the other stuff. So when we get into the bad stuff, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I will agree with you. The Mando Grogu payoff scene is the way I like to call it. That, that hit, that hit hard for me. I, I liked it. I thought it was smooth. I liked the, the face reveal and I, I felt the connection of a dad needing to let go of his kid. I kind of felt that, like, like his kid's ready for the world kind of thing. To the episode's credit, I don't know if I would have been okay with... Like, I, I don't know if I would have been okay with anybody else but Luke taking Baby Yoda. Even though that probably means that, you know, later on, Baby Yoda's going to have one bad, <laughs> one bad dream and Luke is going to kill him in his sleep. Because, you know, that's what Luke Skywalker does, apparently. No, no, I think I think he survives till Kylo. <laughs> Unfortunately, what do you think when Mando says, "I'll see you again, I promise"? What do you think that means for the future of Grogu and Mando? I I want to get to that in our it, when we discuss what season three might look like. Okay. So I I think we save that for then. Okay. My last good that there was a lot of indifferent, but I I, I basically my last good was the dark saber fight mm-hmm. while predictable we knew that mando was going to be the one that had to fight i still found that fight scene to be pretty enjoyable to watch yeah i agree with that i just i think moff gideon looks a little slippery <laughs> as matt and i talked about he, t- yeah. he does with all the so grease. <laughs> let's get into like the the bad maybe not bad is the best way to well in some cases the bad but others just didn't hit hit home to us i have six specific points I, okay, why don't you start with your first one, and then we'll we'll rotate around the uh, the discussion room. Um, first is so like when they're in the shuttle and they're talking about like Cara Dune says something about how she wants to like arrest Moff Gideon or get to him or something, and then Bo-Katan's like, "No, he's mine." That that conflict felt very contrived, and there was absolutely nothing earlier in the season with either of them to like like showcase that they would like fight each other over this guy. Like, yeah, I know that Bo-Katan's interested in him because she asked one guy about it, but, like, that conflict was incredibly contrived, and then they did nothing with it later in the episode. I was, like, I was watching, and I was, like, what? Like, why are you, are you just I filling time with fully, this? Yeah, I fully agree with you on that. That's actually what a, one of my main points was that we knew exactly what was going to happen as soon as Bo-Katan kept in- insisting, or Bo-Katan kept insisting, I need to be the one. I, me, me, me. I was like, okay, so that means Mando's going to defeat her and he's going to have no idea that this raises an issue. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to my first issue with it, and that is it retcons Rebels. Yes. Right. Bo-Katan does not take, or in combat, the Darksaber from Sabine. Sabine gives it to her. So, So what's stopping... Mando. What what's stopping Mando from doing it? Why is that all of a sudden not okay? And and here's the other thing, right? Cuz so Sabine is sorry, not Sabine, but Bo is introduced. This is another one of my points. Bo is introduced as the Mandalorian that takes off her helmet in this season, right? So even if you've never seen mm-hmm. Rebels, you're introduced to this character as someone who's not into like absolute following the tra- rules. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolute Mandalorian tradition. And Mando is the one who's like very traditional. I will keep my helmet on no matter what. I'm the I'm the the guardian of the old ways kind of thing. And then this interaction with the sword, he's like, Nah, screw the rules. Just take it. And she's like, No, I must follow them. It made no sense at that- all. That. That made me, that actually very much upset me. I actually didn't realize at first, Josh pointed out to me with the, the Rebels retcon, because yeah. 
it kind of it, it it I didn't think about it, but that really upset me because Dave Filoni worked on this on both projects. He knows the story. He knows what has happened. So it just doesn't add up unless there's there's something that changed from rebels but even then all that is is the empire's war and the empire already had control over mandalore so it doesn't make sense it it just doesn't make sense to me and that is one of my biggest issues it's the only way they can transition or i i don't know like i'm not i don't work for lucas arts or lucas film whatever it is i don't think they had like some kind of transition into season three like i mean at the end, yeah. we'll we'll get to what happened at the at the post credit scene, but yeah. that's totally different than the Mandalorian season three. It didn't seem like they had any direction, and the, that was the only point. And it didn't. And yeah, yeah. And your and your note on the last scene involving Boba Fett and the announcement of the Boba Fett show mm-hmm. that just infuriated me. I'm not gonna. I like. I I'm actually upset about it. That's actually not so one I, of I, my points. I <laughs> that, that's really funny. <laughs> I'm more I'm more upset because basically Boba Fett came along for the ride of season two in order to advertise for his own show. And Matt, we talked about how we should have just seen him in the first episode of the season and, on, Tatooine. on Tatooine. You could have done that, and you could have announced the the show. You could have just announced the show from there, and and that is a subtle way to include him. Doesn't include him into the plot, and it just. I think my overall like reason why I'm not super thrilled with ha- what season two was for the Mandalorian was it just made the universe feel even smaller. Because there's yeah. a Skywalker. Um, yes, and, and that was another one of my notes, is the fact that we have now, every single show and every single movie has involved a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we have yet to break the chains of the Skywalker saga. They're still living with the Skywalker saga, which really worries me for the upcoming shows. I mean, I'm not going to speak too much to that. In in this in this one, it it you sacrificed time that could have been spent building character. Yeah. And like that's that's another one of my points. This is 3 down by the way. In 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 season 1 of The Mandalorian, it all kind of worked out cuz you know, Mando starts out as like this guy who's just out for himself. Maybe he'll help the covert of other Mandalorians, but he's he's kind of a, a ragtag bounty hunter. He gets the kid. He's conflicted about whether or not to give it to the Empire. He takes it back. And at the end, he learns how to better himself through caring for others or caring for the child and everything. And it, he had a nice, nice arc. And each episode in that season added to it. I can't tell you what Mando's character arc in this season is. He takes off his mask, and that's the only way that he changes. And only three episodes, the one with Bo-Katan, the last one with the heist, and this one actually like make a difference to that. He sees someone else take it off. He has a five-minute discussion last episode, and then he takes it off this episode. That's his only arc. Every like Mando, and you mentioned this last time, Matt, has become a secondary character in his own show so that Boba Fett could come in, and now so that Luke Skywalker could come in. It's all about the Skywalkers and not about actual good character writing. And yeah, I'm I'm disappointed by that. It it really it it really felt to me that this season, like like we both have said, made Mando a second secondary character. And and so that's why I think I'm mostly disappointed with this season. Cause season one just blew me away. It felt great. I, I was in it the whole time. And this season, it kind of just was kind of a letdown, and and it just felt like a secondary character. Don't get me wrong; I'm still excited for the the new shows to come out, but I'm I really don't know how. Well, I kind of have an idea of how season three might go. I, I was talking with Josh about this, and and I'm curious what you feel, Nate. This episode felt like the end of the series. It didn't feel like the end of a season. A a season. Yeah with just how much we've committed to the the baby Yoda and the Mando story like and and their connection and then have it gone. If you ask me and I know that we're going to talk about this later after we get through some more things about this episode but if you ask me they're just going to drop Din Djarin completely and the book of Boba Fett 
is just going to be Mandalorian season three. That's like the name of Mandalorian season three. That's what I think. That's what. Ooh, that yeah. That's what. That's very interesting. We were talking about last night, like Carlos, our friend. He hopes that they don't just drop Din Djarin and Pedro Pascal, and they just go directly on Boba Fett and the the whatever the Hut clan story arc, but instead have that as a different show and keep on going with the the Mandalorian. And we'll talk. I mean, again, we'll talk about after we go over a couple more points about what's going to happen in the future that's very i never even thought of that that if that happens i will be i'll be pretty sad about that i I won't lie my my one hope that that won't happen is that moff gideon is still alive if he died Mm, it would have tied up everything with a little bow but he's still alive so maybe they're keeping him in their back pocket to continue a story with din jaren or maybe bo katan but speaking of the villain that one of my other points was that he it's like he was completely unengaging and i i had a point about this like four episodes ago where he was like, he's more like the villain from Indiana Jones and the last crusade. And then the villain in Raiders of the lost Ark. And we decided then that last crusade was still enjoyable because there was an internal struggle for Indy, but I don't see other than this like five minute conversation about taking off a mask and internal struggle for Mando. So, you know, you got to make it up with a, with an interesting villain, but and that scene when they're in the brig and he's holding the sword to Baby Yoda, Mando is a very reserved, emotionless character. And so is Moff Gideon. And when they're talking to each other, there's no tension building. Like there's nothing to add fuel to the fire of that conversation. And I just, I was like, oh, okay. So when's the sword fight going to start? Just going to wait. This isn't interesting. If he had chewed the scenery just a little bit more, if he was like, more tenacious and conniving and and just just a, like absolutely bat crap nuts i would have enjoyed that much more because he would have been a foil to mando's reserved nature yeah that scene did make me notice something josh mm-hmm. mando had his jetpack he did he did <laughs> Nate, Nate said that, that, that scene i, I like like yes it was that scene because i i actually wasn't super it it he was like yeah, go ahead and take him. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then like, he just, wa- I was like, that's, that's kind of weird. They're going to fight. And, and then he walked by and there it was, it was, it was his jetpack on the back. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that's the entire point of, of that conversation was so we could see the jetpack and, <laughs> and confirm it for our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it is in the beginning scene when he sees Bo-Katan for the first time as well. Yeah. yeah. The, the jetpack kind of functioned just as uh, <laughs> a dark saber armor when he's getting hammered with it. Mm-hmm. That's that yeah. spear fight was just okay. It didn't feel climactic. I was geeking out before before we we watched this, and I was watching Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress, which is a, a Japanese film from 1958. It heavily influenced Star Wars. Like C3PO and R2D2 are just robotic versions of two characters from The Hidden Fortress. Like George Lucas references it all the time, and it was a big influence for him. So I figured, hey, you know, I'm getting in the Star Wars mood. I'll watch The Hidden Fortress. There's a spear fight in that movie that is much more well-crafted and much higher tension building and just absolutely beautifully done with movement and everything and better than the 45 seconds of, oh, I'm going to hit you again. Oh, no, that we got in this episode. They could have they blocked that and choreographed it much more interestingly, I think. But well, What I wonder is... How much of it was related to like, I, I really, I really wonder this with season two because it it did feel disjointed throughout it, like like the pacing issues we've highlighted in past episodes. So I wonder how much of this can we attribute to COVID, and how much of this was just what was planned, and and that we just don't like what it was planned. Right. I, I'm really not sure because I'm obviously I'm not at Lucasfilm. I I, I don't know. But it, it is worth asking the question of how much reshoots could they not do so they had to just make do with what they had even if it felt clunky. Yeah. How much of it is with the – because of COVID, we couldn't shoot exactly how we wanted, so we have to recycle other material. I think the last episode, that when the one we covered last week, I think that was supposed to be placed somewhere else in the sequence of the, of the season. Yeah. But – I don't know if you both agree with me. I think so. Yeah. I do think that you can still choreograph good action, even though 
you're limited by what you can do with COVID because I forgot to mention in the good things, when they're storming the bridge and everything, mm-hmm. Ming Na Wen, her her all of her fight choreography is really great. I think Cara Dune had a nice moment in the elevator when her guns jammed and she's like, Oh, it's okay, and then she mows down a bunch of stormtroopers. <laughs> there was there was some clever stuff in there. And I was yeah. watching it, I was like, Oh, okay, I, I'm enjoying this. They can do some good stuff despite despite these hard times you want to know what it reminded me of what it reminded me of the part in avengers endgame with all the female characters the female superheroes and mm-hmm. yeah that's true that is something i want to i want to highlight one of my other good points is strong female characters in this episode i i i thought that there was a lot of very strong moments for strong female characters which i think is is always fantastic because as, as unfortunately as we all know Females have not always been accepted into the Star Wars fandom, and and I really think that their voices are being heard, and and that we're seeing more of it. So I do I do like that, and I I appreciate that they did that through. I mean, they brought in. It's like it's like they're like, hmm. Research suggests that you know guys eighteen to thirty four align very very closely with this Nate guy. Let's look at his Facebook and figure out like who you know. Like what he what he likes because they brought in I mean Ming Nguyen and Katie Sackhoff in a Star Wars action scene, oh my god! Like I've been a Battlestar Galactica fan for forever. I've been a, a fan of Ming Nguyen since Agents of the Shield. Was it on, it so. equals a good time. It's yeah. yeah. No, they 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 executed that very well, and they did it with with some top notch talent. I will say. I do want to say, and this is this isn't yeah. a complaint. I just I thought agree. it was funny that if. If four people can take over an entire Imperial cruiser, the rebels should not have had that hard of a time in in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> they they have plot armor. You got to remember, there, there's some plot armor involved and That's some true. literal armor involved. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have one last point about this episode, and that I don't, I didn't enjoy Luke coming back on its own two legs. And I mean that as in, so due to an unfortunate accident, the Luke surprise was spoiled about two minutes before it actually showed up for me. And I went into it being like, oh, it's Luke. And when the X-Wing showed up and then when the cloaked figure was walking, I was like, oh, it's Luke. And without the surprise, the reveal doesn't stand on its own two legs. I wasn't intrigued by it without it shocking me. And that's not a, that's not a indicator of, of good writing and planning. So that's, that's the last thing I had on this episode. I also, it made me actually wonder this. So in the moment, I think a lot of us were like, wow, Luke, like Luke's back. We were examining Luke. We were seeing his CGI. I, th- I think every Star Wars fan out there was, was looking intently at Luke. And so I, I wonder if it, drew away like like we've been highlighting i wonder if it drew away from the the grogu and mando farewell it did oh definitely for me because i've been so harping on the fact that grogu and mando have kind of taken a back step or backseat a little bit i was intently watching them at this point and at this scene, so like for me, I was like into it when the music swelled as he took off his his helmet. When you see the tears in his eyes, like emotionally, that got me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if the rest of of you guys felt that too, or if it was more, oh my gosh, Luke's back. I well, I did not have an oh my gosh, Luke's back moment. Yeah, at all. Yeah, true. So I thought it was nice that. Grogu was going with Luke and I felt the impact and it was the one good thing that I specifically listed when he took off his helmet and everything. But my problem with that is uh, R2-D2 sort of broke the moment. Yeah. Uh, Baby Yoda's like walking towards Luke and it was the, I, I, I was feeling emotional. And then R2-D2 comes up and he's got a couple of shots where he's like, Hi, do-do-do, I'm R2-D2. And I'm like, yes, you are. I, I would like to know more about Baby Yoda and Mando, please. Yeah, it, it's almost like R2 was the C-3PO of that scene. Where C three P always cuts in at the wrong time. It felt like R two took over <laughs> for for C three P on that one. You're not wrong. You probably like, don't like... recognize me because of the red arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of how they did R two with like it was the CGI. It kind of looked a little bit off as well. 
R2 was CGI? I I have no idea. It looked like it, didn't it? I thought it was real because R2-D2 is, except for like flying scenes and stuff, R2-D2 has always been real. And, you know, I have great respect for people who who worked on R2-D2 in in his various forms and everything because like Grant Imahara, one of the mythologists who sadly passed away this last summer, he was, you know, one of the guys who did R2-D2 for the prequels. And I thought that out of respect for the work of those people, they wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't have made it CGI. That that disappoints me. Yeah. It is. I'll have to rewatch that scene and look close. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm I'm looking at it. It looks it looks like it could be real, but at the same time, there's. I don't know, yeah. Nate. You'll have to tell me which one, which one you think it is because it's uh, hard yeah. to tell. No, it, it because... is super hard to tell. <laughs> if if it is CGI and they spent more time getting R two D two right than Mark Hamill, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> Slight side note: I was like. We were talking about Sebastian Stan. I was like, and so I had to look him up because that's where I found out that apparently Mandalorian fans are calling for him to play Luke in season three. And I was like, where have I seen this face before? I was like, this guy looks very familiar. And I just realized that he's Winter Soldier. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out for like, I literally for like, not, not going to lie. That entire conversation you guys were just having on R2-D2. I was like, where have I seen him from? (laughs) It took me like five minutes to realize this, but (laughs) All right, so, continue. Sorry. I was disappointed that Boba Fett, and this is like, we've gone through my major points, but just a minor thing. I'm, I was disappointed that Boba Fett was relegated to getaway pilot slash distraction again. If, if they are trying to advertise for his own show and if they are making a big deal out of him, you'd think they make a bigger deal out of him, you know? Also, the, I think they intentionally did that to avoid Luke and Boba running into each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They probably did that, which could mean, and and I'm I'm gonna say this, and I'm telling you guys that I don't want this, but if it's any indication of what this season brought, it could mean that Luke and Boba are going to collide in his show, or in season three. Yeah, but I would say no. Like they've already they've already used that opportunity. However, I was wrong before, and now I have to buy a, a razor crest and cook it up and eat it. I'm thinking like <laughs> over over a medium well zucchini noodles with a light vinaigrette. Yeah, maybe no. I'll take what? my medium medium well. I'll make razor crest parmesan Ooh. with with some with some egg noodles on the side. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. Don't mind me while I just fly out to to you and uh, have some. <laughs> I have a couple more points that I want to go, go through that I just want to cover and get both of your opinions, which is Moff Gideon trying to almost kill himself. Yeah, that was that was uh and almost and and I'm gonna add this part too, which is him trying to kill Grogu slash actually he aimed for Bo Katan first and then Grogu and then himself. So what what are your thoughts on that? I think he he views Bo Katan as the biggest threat. Probably because they've met before, right? And gotcha. I think that's why he was trying to incite that conflict between them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Grogu, he he aimed at because Grogu's the most vulnerable person in the room and we got to raise the stakes as writers, right? But Yeah, for two seconds. Yeah. But when he, when he tried to shoot himself, that's an interesting... That's very like, you know, Cold War spy mm-hmm. swallowing a cyanide pill kind of thing. I think if, if yeah. there was a big greater conspiracy of like resurrecting the emperor with Grogu's blood or something like that. It's indicative mm-hmm. of that, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, my thoughts are not fully formed. Mm. Yeah. But, but, but when, if that's the case, because that's what I lent itself to, he has information. He does not want extracted. And so with the empire, you're supposed to surrender your, like, sur- you know, this entire, that Moff Gideon's entire leadership group, we saw on the, when we first encountered Bo-Katan, that the admiral of the ship was trying to bring the ship down and trying to basically for the empire. Mm-hmm. So they, they are like a cult with that they're going to take themselves down before saying anything. But we mm-hmm. don't, the audience doesn't know what that something is. Yeah. Which makes the stakes not as raised for us, I feel, in this circumstance. Because we're we're like, well, what are they hiding? And and we have all of our theories, but we don't know, so we kind of push it to the side because we don't know. They have Moth Gideon and they have Dr. Pershing. So they have some kind of 
and who knows what they're going to do with them if if Moff Gideon escapes. I mean, again, this is all we should just get into season three predictions, maybe. Yeah. And uh, try to see what we think is going to happen. I'm I'm down for the season three predictions. If the show follows Mando, right? Moff Gideon mm-hmm. will escape it's, in the yeah. first episode, and it will be a more like you know investigative intrigue kind of story trying to go after him maybe you know getting a little bit more tidbits of information about the empire that sort of thing if the show is not about mando like we postulated then who knows i mean yeah i don't know yeah what what do you guys think what do you what do you guys think what do you what do you what do you what do you you think what's your opinion (laughs) what 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 do you want what do you think (laughs) i'm i'm begging the i will plead i will plead to the to Dave Filoni and 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 Co. That we do not just have Mandalorian season three be Boba Fett. It's not out of the realm of possibility because the only thing is the timing of the release of the episode of, of it's supposed to be scheduled for December twenty twenty one. But we also know that productions have been delayed because of COVID. So it's not out of the realm of possibility with Mando starting typically in October, it's not surprising if we get pushed back. I also heard, again, this is, we're we're not sure about what the future is for Mandalorian season three, if it's the Boba, if it's an actual dedicated show to back to Din Djarin. But I heard that Boba Fett, like they had their own like different filming. So I think it might be a different show. Again, take my my words with a grain of salt because I have no idea. I hope I, think, I hope that's the case. You know, it would be it would be neat for, but like Boba Fett, he's a minor character, and and he can show up in other stories without causing too much trouble. So long as you don't focus solely on him, like we have in this season. But if he he might be become like the connective sinew between different shows, and I like the night nurse in the Marvel Netflix stuff that came out five years ago or whatever. As long as he doesn't become the focus, I think that that's fine. And I'll get to see more of Ming Nguyen's performance, and she's always fantastic. So I'm not going to complain there. Yeah. And tomorrow, Morrison. True. My my prediction, if Mandalorian season three is Mandalorian or is Din Djarin, is we're going to see Baby Yoda, and the reason why, and to put it to put it like bluntly, is merchandising. Um, Baby Yoda, the 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 percentage of sales that Disney made off of merch that was around Baby Yoda, oh yeah, over nuts. the last two years has to be the leading. So all of a sudden you're gonna take away your lead merch maker, money maker, yeah. like you you don't do that. Well, so, I mean, several uh, of from, those from business come from us, gentlemen. I mean, yeah, true. I um, I'm a Baby Yoda merch purchaser. I will be honest. I am too. I named my baby Yoda whack. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what would be interesting, and I just had this thought. I think it would be interesting if the Mandalorian experienced a time jump of, say, a decade or a decade Ooh. and a half into the future, Ooh. and then so maybe Din Djarin hears about the destruction of the temple and all that kind of stuff, and then goes searching for Baby Yoda, who at this point would be a little bit older. I that would be way better. I think that that would be like that's you can have, you know, it's 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 a season 3 that's not dependent on contrived conflict and with the dark saber and all that kind of stuff. We can sweep that under the rug. You listening Disney write notes, take some down. <laughs> and then you can you can sweep that contrived co- conflict under the rug or maybe even like not just not tell us what happened with it, maybe there's like some background mention of it, like, oh, Bo-Katan, we don't talk anymore or something like that, you know? And if you jump 15 years into the future and have him searching for baby Yoda, you can keep some forward momentum on this character. Show us some change in the character. Show us some development. I I think that that's like, if I was Dave Filoni, that's what I would do. But I'm not Dave Filoni. Yeah, because otherwise you're, you're <laughs> otherwise you're looking at, Season three being about why Bo-Katan can't accept the dark saber, even though she already has before. Mm-hmm. Do you get? Does Bo-Katan become the enemy in season three? Because if you're following the Mandalorian, 
then Bo-Katan is the, the, the person who's trying to take it away from him. So it's just this weird, and, and, we, and we know Bo-Katan, who's not an evil character, although I will say I didn't love her character portray, uh, portrayal in this last episode where it felt like she was just power hungry. So it, it that's true. It's kind of a weird. Is, is it all about power struggle and rebuilding Mandalore in season three, or is it what you say going to be fast forward to the Jedi temples destroyed? What happened to Grogu? You know, I I don't think that the Jedi temple destruction destruction in the future. I don't think that that's gonna happen, but I think it would be cool if it did. Yeah, in all likelihood. It's going to be a, a fight for the Darksaber. Maybe Bo-Katan will be the enemy. Maybe she won't. But uh, I feel like if we were going to set that up, her want for the Darksaber in this in this last episode should have been portrayed more as like a, a familial longing for something from her past or something that, you know, is her family's relic and not just like, I want it. Give it, please. If season three co- goes out with... Bo-Katan wanting the Darksaber and won't take it, as we we highlighted, she took it in Rebels. Like, I can't take that seriously because she's fighting for something that she didn't fight for in the first place. Yeah. yeah. She took it from Sabine. So, like, I love Rebels and I, I, I hope better. that they have a, a good... You better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope they have a good... Explanation. Entrance. Explanation and entrance into Season 3 because if they just say, oh, yeah, I need to fight you and kill kill you... Dinjarin for the the dark saber that's just gonna ups, uh, upset i mean us star wars fans you know star wars fans that are watch rebels but yeah i, I just don't i don't know yeah what just where they're trying to go with it just what do you what are you, your what are your thoughts for season three it, it, what do you hope that it, it goes down what path i hope to see that they try to reclaim mandalore in some kind of fashion again who knows what what Mandalore is right now? I think Matt, were you the one that asked me about Operation Cinder? Or no, that was Carlos. Carlos asked me about Operation Cinder and if like something with Operation Cinder happened with Mandalore. But I told him that Operation Cinder was for planets that were already dedicated and loyal to the Empire that that Palpatine wanted them destroyed after after he died. So yeah, Mandalore is not destroyed, at least to our knowledge, but. Yeah, I think something with with that arc, and again, maybe having Baby Yoda back in there because he is the center focus of the show. Pretty much, my my girlfriend calls it the Baby Yoda show for a yeah. reason. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like if if like if I was writing season three, I would I would focus on Mandalore as well. Maybe you know Mando and Bo Katan have teamed up and are trying to liberate it or something in the in the future. And there's some MacGuffin device that she's like, we're never going to get through that shield. And he's like, I know a guy. And they go to, go to the <laughs> Jedi Temple to find Baby Yoda to help them retake Mandalore. And the Jedi Temple's burned down. Oh, my God. We've got, we've got lots of sources for conflict. Where we've got a lot, of a, a lot of inciting action. But, yeah, I agree with Josh. I think Mandalore is going to become a focus. Um, I think it's more yeah. likely mm-hmm. than a time jump into the future. So, Agreed. I would like the time jump in the future. I, I gotta yeah. say that Nate, that was brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. But I'm hey, you should week. write you should write some uh, Star Wars yeah. stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I should know, uh, I should there. find the Star Wars book that I wrote when I was nine. <laughs> publish, share publish it. share it with the class. Publish. Share it with no. the class. Yeah. No. Okay. Fine. 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 If Mace Windu shows up in season three, I will. I will. I will publish the Star Wars book that I wrote in third grade on the Wannabe Jedi Podcast website. How about that? Deal. What if May, Deal. What if, what if Mace Windu showed up? Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, I did have one more point for a prediction, which was okay. Like I was playing with the the thought that maybe Mando can visit Baby Yoda, but no, because of attachment and Luke's trying to train him out of that attachment. The other topic that I thought of while you all were speaking was that one of the focuses that they could have at the beginning of the season is to find all the other Mandalorians out there, the ones that were were on Navarro and left and, and you know, sacrificed their armor and mm-hmm. trying to get them back to Mandalore. I don't know if that's something that they might do, but I think that would be somewhat cool yeah. because that does involve bringing back Mandalore back to its rightful place yeah. or to its, its the, the only thing I would say about that, who is the bad guy? 
what's the what's the what's the problem that's intercepting and, and causing issues whomever has control of mandalore might be again it might might be something with gideon or i don't is, know uh, like, is, i'm not i'm not gonna say theron is prey Vizsla still alive but i can't remember no he got killed by oh, Maul. okay <laughs> Yeah. But but his son, I think who, whoever John Favreau played in the the second episode, I think of season one, is like his grandson or, or a relative. Okay. But yeah, he's the one. He's the big guy that was trying to fight Mando for his Beskar. Got it. Well, switching gears a little bit, we asked you, the listener out there, um, to send us a message and and, and really like highlight what you liked about season two and this final episode or what you didn't like. And so uh, most of you actually highlighted the fact that you loved what the episode meant for Din and Grogu. And and like we already highlighted, it was a very touching moment. We, we still enjoyed it. But that seemed to be the over overwhelming majority of people, aside from, you know, the, the Luke surprise, because a lot of people felt um, like the sequels did Luke wrong. I, I know that Josh and and Nate both would agree with that. I think very much so. Mm-hmm, I agree. <laughs> so the, so those were the two biggest like payoffs for for the listener out there. I didn't really ask what they didn't like because I'm pretty sure we covered it already. And and I knew Nate going into this. Nate and I felt the same way about this episode for the most part. Yeah. So so those were the two biggest payoffs for that. As as disappointing as as this episode was. And as hard as it is to have the Luke uh, appearance stand on its own two feet, it does stand in contrast to to the Last Jedi, and I do, I do appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. Which actually makes me feel, or makes me question if this was Disney's way of trying to apologize. Appe- yeah, like like almost like a not even apologize, but like appease half the f- fan service. Yeah, like half the fans. Because I I'm I know I'm pro episode eight, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that are, and I know that there's a lot of people that are very very anti eight because it doesn't portray Luke how how a lot of people thought it should. So I wonder if this was like in nine where they try to appease the star like the star wars fans that were verbally like angry i i really hope not and i and i really don't believe it but i do wonder if this was part of their reasoning for bringing luke back well yeah uh, in in episode eight they sacrificed luke's character consistency for a shock and a surprise and then in episode nine they sacrificed a lot of other character consistency to bring luke back into the uh like back onto back onto the straight and narrow course. I'm worried that uh, the same the same sacrifice of uh, of inconsistency is happening here as well, which never would have happened if if you would have you know watched the previous Star Wars movies before making Episode Eight. But that's that's a whole nother can of worms, gentlemen. We we can definitely have that discussion of Episode Eight off air. I just want to remind all of the Padawans out there that these are our opinions. And if you disagree with them and, and you love this episode, you're Team Josh right now. You're, you're feeling great. <laughs> if you're like Nay and I, then you probably just didn't didn't like it as much. Or maybe you just feel indifferent. You're like, it was it was okay. You're entitled to your own opinion. And, and we're, we would love to hear from you guys on, on, on those opinions. So feel free to reach out to us. You know, we have a year to find out at this point, gentlemen. But I'm, I'm giving it 60% odds that Season 3 of The Mandalorian is going to be a Boba Fett-helmed show. 40% odds. Thirty-nine percent odds that it's uh, going to be Mandalorian, Dark Saber, Din Djarin-focused show, and one gleaming, shining percent of post-Jedi Temple burning down future jump. But we'll see. I mean, I'm ever the optimist, so I will. I will see the 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 time leap uh, up to five percent. I think there's a five percent chance of that happening. <laughs> And then, right. and then I'll say seventy-five percent like chance that. of it being around Mandalore, dark saber focus, and a twenty percent chance of it being a Boba Fett series, or turning into yeah. a Boba Fett series. We'll just have to wait there and see. Go. Nate, it's been a pleasure having you along for this ride. It's it's always great to include you in in the Star Wars talks, and and we'll have to have you back on the show soon. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely yes, hope to you, see Nate. you guys for the next season next year. 
you know, if, if uh, you guys want me or if the listeners want me, I will be glad to come back and talk to you guys. If it's a Boba Fett show, uh, I'll just I'll Boba just pencil you in as a, as a no because you're not going to watch it, right? No, I'll probably watch it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I was about to say we're Star Wars fans. We watch everything, <laughs> no matter what. I Star Wars has done a great deal to influence my the lens through which I view cinema and pop culture and a lot of things, and I, I have some loyalty to it to an extent uh, in that regard. So I will be watching it. The continuation of the Mandalorian, no matter what. regardless of the main character yeah yeah I, i'm with you I, like i said we have plans to watch every single show i don't think we'll be doing specials on every single show that comes out because now we're, we're at the point where there'll be a new show with a new episode every single week and josh as, as the editor i can i can feel your stress through the microphone right now will i have to uh not go back into teaching you yeah you have to drop out of time? school you have to drop out of school <laughs> unless Unless the listener tells 10 more people about this podcast, we get super famous <laughs> and we can afford to hire an editor that just edits. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I say we as if I'm on this podcast. <laughs> I'm still a guest. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up. Make sure to go follow us on all our social medias at Wannabe Jedi Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, at Wannabe Jedi Cast on Twitter. And make sure to go check out our website, wannabejedipodcast.com. Nate, we'll see you soon. Listener, we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Josh, what do you have to say? May the force be with you all. Oh, I'm going to have to look up, look up Lego recipes. Hey, Padawan, so we're a few days removed from the latest episode. This is post our, our recording that you just heard. And I, and I just want to say a few things about the episode one more time because I've had, I've had a little bit more time to collect my thoughts. I absolutely love the Luke scene, and it is great to see him be a, a badass Jedi. That being said, I still don't like the CGI. I still think it looks like a filter. It doesn't ruin it for me, but I, it's just something I noticed. And I, I really want to say that I don't think that this was the show to bring Luke back in. It felt very fan servicey to bring him back this way for, for me still. And on top of that, the show has been kind of shifted away uh, of being about Mando. And, and like we highlighted, we're, we're still not sure what season three is going to be. If it, if it's going to be a true Mando show, I, I think it will be, but I, I, I don't know at this point. So I, I just think that it wasn't the right scene for it or wasn't the right, show to have him appear in but yeah i hope you guys all enjoyed the episode and we'll see you at our next episode